Well, let's go ahead and get into the Word today. Um, I want to begin a series today that uh, I've entitled, Drop the Stone. Can you say those words with me? Drop the Stone. I got a stone here I picked out of, uh, off our hill out here. And uh, I went a couple, probably about a month ago, I was uh, uh, sitting on my couch in my morning de- devotions, and I, I just remember, and I was drinking my coffee, and uh, I just remember asking the Lord, Lord, what, what's the word, you know, for the season that we're in? Or is there something, God? Is there, you know, because I'm, I'm always thinking about where to go, and, and I felt like the Lord brought a memory of what I'm going to read to you today. And almost immediately, the phrase, drop the stone, came into my mind. And I hadn't even been reading or anything about it. But I remember looking it up. And I, I want to I talk about today, and I think next week too, I want to talk about the critical spirit. I want to talk about um, the crippling effect of a critical spirit. And how it, it really has... It comes with a lot of damage. It can damage. It can wound. It can hurt. And it can impede progress. And uh, so I want to talk about that today. And I, I, the title of today's message is, Let Go of the Critical Spirit. Just let it go. And uh, instead, of, instead of getting a hold of the rock or the stone... We need to let go of it. And I want to I want to read a very familiar portion of scripture. It's found in John chapter 8. And uh, follow along as I read this passage aloud to you. John chapter 8, beginning at verse 1, it says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. In the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded that such should be stoned. But what do you say? They said this to test him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and he said, He who is without sin, it's hard to read when you are watery. Where am I at here? I should know this by heart. Does anybody know this by heart? He was without sin. I just can't find my verse. Verse 7, 
Let him throw a stone at her purse. Thank you, praise God. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, literally to the youngest, starting with the oldest, all the way down to the youngest. <laughs> Sorry, I keep losing my place. I should just read, get this over with. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up, he saw no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So Father, I pray for your grace in these next few moments that it would fall in this place, that your truth and your word will speak to us directly in any area of our life, God, where we are grappling with, or any relationship in our life where we are grappling with a critical heart, a critical spirit. We pray, Jesus, that you would draw us to yourself in these next few moments. Amen. So, I think I'm okay. I'm okay, you're okay, right? I'm going to get through this. This did not happen the first service, so I'm just I'm I'm uh, a little bit taken aback. Well, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I find out this is how I walk through life. I got a stone at the ready. You know why I got one? Because I got a lot of truth up here. Truth is wonderful. It's great. It's life liberating. Jesus said the truth will set you free. In fact, he said that in this chapter, chapter 8. But the truth not seasoned with grace is a dangerous thing. It can be a dangerous thing. And um, even the best of us can pick up stones. Somebody doesn't agree with us. Somebody wounded us. Somebody hurt us. Somebody let us down. Or you just watch media, the news. I don't know about you, but every time I watch the news, I feel like picking up a rock. 
But I'm going to go through that screen, and I want that to hit whatever I'm upset with. I'm not the only one in the room, I'm sure, right? And so we, we just have a tendency. We don't wake up thinking, I want to, I'm armed with the truth, and, you know, and so now I've got to make a point. But we do get to the place in our life where we can have knowledge of the truth, but, ha- but not have, I guess, the, the grace of God's love to temper it. And that's what happened with the Pharisees. They had some elements of truth. They caught the woman in the act of adultery, which very clearly it is like a part of the Ten Commandments. I mean, it's a part of God's word. It's his truth. They weren't wrong, but they were self-righteously right. Does that make sense? They were so bent on what was right and what was wrong, and they brought it to Jesus, and they clearly were in a, to a degree, they were right, but they had a rock in their hand. And this is where I find myself sometimes. I I find myself becoming critical, obsessed with what's wrong, obsessed with what they did, obsessed. And, 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 And so... In my spirit, I don't even realize this, but I'm, I'm picking up a rock and I've got a tight grip on it. And I'm just holding on to it. And I haven't thrown it yet, but don't push me. I'm a preacher on the edge. You know what Winston Churchill said? He said, you'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. You know what he's saying there? You're, being a critical person not only hurts people, it hurts you more. It is limiting your life. It's the limit on your marriage. The, critic, the criticizing words, the, the bantering, the hurtful things that are said back and forth the, with in our homes, with our marriages, with even parent to child, or child of God to child of God, or neighbor to neighbor. Winston got it right. You're, you're not going to get anywhere if, if you're so quick to pick it up. And this was the Pharisees. They had the word, and they knew it, and they memorized it from a young age. But they lacked the spirit of the word. And so today I want to talk about, you know, letting go of the critical spirit. And so the way I want to do this today, I want to talk about what causes the spirit of criticism to rise in us. 
And then I want to talk about the cure. So I'm going to talk about the cause. And then I want to talk about the cure. What causes, what causes criticism to rise up in us? I've, uh, there's probably a gazillion of them, but I, just, I got a few that I, I jotted down I want to talk to you guys about real quick, and then we'll get to the cure. First of all, one of the things that causes people to be critical is they have a negative outlook on life. There are just some people that are just flat out negative. Have you, does anybody know what I'm talking about? They just have a negative propensity about them. And usually, usually this is the result of coming out of some ne- negative experiences in their life that have colored their world and the way that they view the world and the way they view people. And so negativity, being a negative person, I think is the result sometimes of just bad company. I mean, if you grew up hearing negative words, having negative things said to you, then you've got to know that that somehow is going to get embedded in your spirit and you're going to carry that with you into the world around you. And you wonder to yourself, why am I so negative? Well, look at your history. Look at the company in your life. Look at what you have kept company with or what, look at what you grew up under. I, you know, and I'm not here to make us look to our past or you know, have us blame. I'm, this is not about blaming anything or anyone. I'm just, this is just being real. The apostle said bad company corrupts good character. If you don't want to be so negative, then stop watching the kind of news that is negative. Bad company corrupts. It gets on you. It affects you. Right? And so we sometimes, we hang out with negative people or we hang out with negative ideology. And when we're feeding that into our soul, there's no wonder our natural inclination is to pick up the rock. Because they are obviously wrong And it's obvious I'm right. (laughs) Another reason why people become negative is because of a root of bitterness. You know, when, you know, the old adage, hurting people hurt people. Some experience in our life cut us deeply, hurt us badly. We thought we forgave tried to forget, God forgives and forgets, why can't I? And we just, and, and, but sometimes we don't, we don't really get to the root of the issue. We just try to ignore the action, but we didn't deal with what happened in our own heart. And so then in the heat of the moment, we act out of a, a root of bitterness. The fruit, the fruit is in the root. The reason why that's manifesting is because there's a root of bitterness. Hurting people hurt people. Negative outlook. Here's another reason why we, a cause of being, becoming critical, is feelings of insecurity. Being critical of others is often a subconscious means of elevating our own self-image. If I call you out, then I look better. If I point out your flaw, then I'm automatically I'm positioned in a better light. And it's insecurity. 
I've done this. I've done this in my life with other ministries or other churches, let's say. Not proud about it, but it's been done. Yes, she's a plant. (laughs) Insecurity, like, oh, you know, they do this or they did that. And, you know, I'm over here, you know, that's, that's a way for me sometimes to just feel better about me. And what I feel are maybe behind, not that I would admit it, my shortfalls, you know what I mean? It's insecurity. Here's another reason why what causes critical uh, criticism to rise in us, an unrenewed mind. You know, you can be saved on your way to heaven and still be whacked out in the way you think. And do you know that when you're, when you're not renewed in the spirit of your mind, your life follows suit? You live out what you think. But church, let me just say this to us. Put downs and scoffing sarcasm is the world's way of reacting to people's faults. That's not our way. Scoffing. We're not to sit in the seat of scoffers, nor walk in the way of sinners. Paul said, be renewed, put off the old man, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And the mind of the spirit is not critical. It's not a critical way of looking and judgmentalism. And listen, we all have a tendency to do it on our hot topics. The thing that offends me, the thing that you do that I don't like. Don't relegate this to to those people who have done it to you only. Realize you did it. Amen. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. You probably didn't. It was, it's probably just me. Here's another reason or a cause for critical spirit. The devil. The devil. The devil is a liar. He is a deceiver. He is a tempter. He is behind the spirit of criticism. He's the impetus of it. I'm not saying, listen... I'm not saying the devil made you do it. Turn to somebody and tell them, the devil didn't make you do that. Go ahead and tell them that. He did not make you do it, but don't get it wrong. He's behind it. And you know you can can listen to his lies just like you can listen to the truth that comes from Jesus. You can either hear God and listen to God and obey God, but Satan comes too and he speaks too. Called him a liar, called him a deceiver. Comes as an angel of light. And if we entertain his lies, he's sucking us into the snare of unforgiveness, bitterness, gossip, accusation, slander. He is the accuser of the brethren. And he wants to get you and I to get that way too. And sometimes when I'm picking up a rock, it's almost like I've heard the devil say, pick up that rock. 
that's your right. And then when you throw it, he's like, you stupid wretch, you miserable. <laughs> he tempts you, he lures you in, and then as soon as you do it, he turns right around and says, you're worthless. Look at you. And you call yourself a Christian, right? In fact, it was in John chapter 8 that Jesus said to these same Pharisees and scribes, you are of your father, the devil. That's a, that's a mouthful. Here, here's one more cause for having a critical spirit, and it's that imbalanced view of truth and grace. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. What's He full of? Grace and truth. Do you know the Bible says, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. So is Jesus full of grace and truth? So we are to be full of grace and truth. Oftentimes we have people that like to swim in the truth pool. You know? And they, it's all about the truth. It's all about the truth. And, and truth will set free. But you've got to know the truth. You've got to embrace the truth. The truth is really freeing, but the truth to, be, to, to have an effect in my life has to come through grace. He was full of grace, and he was full of truth. He was full of truth, but he was full of grace. And the Bible said, the last time I checked in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, the Bible says that we are being conformed into the image of Christ. And he wants us to operate with grace and truth. I love this quote by Chris Hodges. He's a pastor in Alabama. He said, truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Chris Hodges, I think we have that quote. I want you to see this quote. There it is. Truth without grace, that's just mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. And so... If we're going to become like Jesus, we've got to operate in both. Amen. So let's talk about the cure. Now, when I was reading this passage, I was wanting to read it with a fresh set of eyes. I mean, I've heard it all my life. I've read through it a number of times. I think I've even preached from it before. I'm not, I'm not 100%. But I've referred to it many times, but I wanted to read it with fresh eyes. And when I was reading through the passage, I saw the actions and the interactions of Jesus with the woman caught in the sin, with the Pharisees and the scribes who caught her in the very act, caught her red-handed. And I watched how Jesus interrelated, how he moved, the movement of Jesus, the attitude, the, the disposition, how he, how he addressed things. And I I really felt like what we see in this passage, I think, can help us root out this, this tendency to be critical if we'll, if we'll see it with fresh eyes. So these are just a couple of things that I 
saw, and I just want to relate them to you. When you feel criticism rising up in your soul, you know, when you feel like picking this rock up, and you got it, when you feel that, right, when you feel the weight of that stone in your hand, First thing I see, or first thing I notice Jesus did in that moment, and I'm going to put it in this phrase, number one, take the low road. Take the low road. And the way, the reason why I'm saying take the low road is because when the, the passage says, when they brought this woman, I imagine, I imagine, it says they set her before him. I almost imagine they thrust him. <laughs> you know, that's, that's how I imagine it. Like, here, look at this. What are you going to do about this? This is obvious transgression of the law. What do you say about this woman caught in the very act, by the way? Not innuendo that we heard about days later. We watched. You know what that means? They were watching. They were looking. They seized the moment. They threw her in Jesus' feet. What did Jesus do? You know, you know what Jesus could have done? He could have said, Oh, lady, why are you making those choices in your life? He could have said to the Pharisees, Who are you? you know, he, he, could have, he could have had any number of reactions in that moment. What did he do? He stooped down to the ground. And he just started doodling in the sand. Don't you want to know what he was writing there? I think he was writing, Tim Mosslander is going to be the greatest. <laughs> That's what I imagine. Katie's like, Katie Bullstead is going to... No. I don't know what he was writing. But what he did in that moment was he went low. He could have stood toe-to-toe with either one of them. He could have stood over that woman and said, what in the world are you doing? Or he could have stood in the face of those Pharisees. Who are you? He went low. He took the low road. What's, what, what, what is it about us that we just feel like, I'm going to just, you know, I just preached a series, stand your ground. <laughs> Don't want to undo it now, Lord, please. But what is it? That we just feel like we just got to like just stand against people or ideology or wrong theology. Or if you go on YouTube right now, there's a, a hundred and there's a thousand different vloggers out there talking about what's wrong about this worship song, what's wrong about that church, and what's wrong about this. And I mean, just, I mean, everybody's a self proclaimed watchdog and everybody's an expert on everything. And leave your comments below because we live in a world of the comment section. And everybody's got their opinion. What is it about us? We think we got to just, you know, just rise up. 
just dominate the situation. I think when, when we feel that criticism rising up in our spirit, when we feel that, that criticism, that, that propensity to grab something and get ready to deal with something, we just, we go low. Because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want to take a posture of arrogance and pride? Be more like Jesus, who could have, if anybody could have, took control, took over the situation. Jesus could have, but he stooped. Literally, the Greek word is he, it means to bow the head. Wow, that's amazing, isn't it? Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, Verses 1 through 3 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. In other words, don't get it mixed up. You're only a human being, and you could this, this whole thing could be reversed. Like right now, you may be sitting as the restorer, but there may come a time when you need to be restored. Don't put on airs. Be gentle. You know what it's like to be caught? Do you know what it's like to be overtaken? You don't want to remember. I mean, you don't want to learn it all over again. Come on. He said, verse 2, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing. There you go. Isn't that encouraging? The Lord says right here in his word, just don't get it wrong, you're nothing. Without Jesus, we are nothing. Come on. Without Jesus, we are nothing. And so he says, he deceives himself if he does that. So, take the low road. Number two, think before you speak. Think before you speak. Now, what I see here is that Jesus stooped down and he was riding on the ground. And they asked him. And the Bible says he didn't even respond. He just doodled on the ground as if he didn't even hear them. And it says here that they kept on asking. And he kept on not answering. He took his time. He didn't react. He didn't just blow off when this was brought to his attention. He wasn't reacting. He was waiting. He was hesitating because he had a mic drop moment. Whoever is without sin, let him. But, he, but, but before he even got there, he didn't respond right away. When you feel criticism rising up in you, slow your response. 
Don't, don't go there immediately. Back off. Shut off the TV. Walk away from this situation. Think about it. Get low. Doodle on some paper. And wait to hear from God. Think before you speak. Now, I, years ago, I came across this little uh, acronym on THINK, T-H-I-N-K. This is not original to me. In fact, in fact, you can find this even on Pinterest, so you know it's anointed. But the T, when you, when you are about ready to respond to somebody, we need to, we need to ask ourselves, T, is what I'm going to say the truth? Is it truthful? I don't mean, is it partly true, or is it true according to my feelings? As someone says, facts don't care about your feelings. We're not talking about what you feel, because your feelings aren't always the truth. That's your truth, but that isn't the truth. Come on now. Don't don't go silent on me. Is what I'm about to say the truth? Just because I feel it doesn't make it true. And so when we go to respond, we need to, to, to have truth coming from the inner parts. Amen. H, is it helpful? Is what I'm going to say going to help this? Or is it just going to just keep the hurt coming? Is this going to help or not? The Bible calls the Word of God a hammer. You ever heard that? It does say that in the book of Jeremiah, that the Word of God is like a hammer. But that is not an excuse to weaponize the Word and beat people over the head with it. Come on. The beautiful thing about the Word being the hammer is that you and I can communicate God's Word And we're just bringing God's word, but the Holy Spirit is over here chipping away at the hardness of their heart. It's not up to you and me to drive the point home. It's up to the Holy Spirit to do that. Yes, it is a hammer in the hands of the Holy Spirit as we communicate in love. Amen. So, here's I. Is it inspired? Will this inspire? I is inspire. Will it, is, a, is what I'm about to say going to inspire or is it going to, you know, put down? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. The question we need to ask ourselves is, why am I going to say what I'm about to say? Is this building them up or is this tearing them down? Cloaked in, let me help you. I hate that when people say that to me. I take a personal offense to it because it makes me feel stupid. When they say, well, here, let me help you. Anybody ever had anybody say that to you? I don't know why I just said that. 
I just should go on. End. Is what I'm going to say right now, is it necessary? Let me just, let me just say something right now. Just because you can say something doesn't mean you should. You don't, you don't always need to say everything that comes across your brain, even if it's right out of the Bible. Remember, Jesus answered not a word as if he didn't hear him. There are times when I'm talking to somebody and we're maybe talking about one thing or another and I can hear all kinds of stuff that are unbiblical. And I, you know, I'm just looking for my moment to sling my truth. And it's like, wait a minute. Be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to become angry. Slow down. Slow down. You could say some things, but is it always necessary? We have to ask ourselves that question, and the Lord will give you the answer. And then K, is it kind? Is what I'm going to say kind? Romans chapter 10 or 12 verse 10 says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor giving preference to another. Just... Be kind. When you're talking to, about, or concerning something, come at it from an angle of kindness. Pretend as if, let's say when you're talking to somebody about somebody else, which I know you never do. But when you do that, to pause yourself, pretend like they're standing in the room with you. What do you want them to hear? What you've said, you want them to, you really, see, this is where kindness comes in. Kindness is saying things, even if they're unkind. (laughs) You know, I mean, I got scripture to back it up. (laughs) You know, love your enemy, pray for them that spitefully use you and say all manner of evil against you. Pray for them, right? Be kind. Be kind. Pretend like they're in the room. Or if they're in the room, pretend like Jesus is in the room. Because he is. Amen. I got to, oh, I'm on notice here. I got to get this done. So sorry. I know we got a meeting. And I... My iPad, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Hang with me. Love me anyway. I'm getting there. The third thing that I see from Jesus or from the words of Jesus, judge yourself before you judge other people. Judge yourself. He who is without sin, let him be the first one to throw a stone. And the Bible said... They all walked away because they were convicted by their own conscience because they knew they didn't have a leg to stand on. I'm calling her out about her stuff when I got stuff in my own closet that I've not really dealt with. Come on now, are you with me out there? And so it isn't that there isn't place for 
correction and reproof and helping people. Remember what Paul said, restore such a one that's been caught in a sin. Help them, get them through it. It isn't saying that you ignore the issue. It's just saying, deal with your own stuff mostly or two. Remember what Jesus said? Why are you going to go around and try to get the speck out of another person's eye when you've got this log that you're looking right around to deal with their junk? Amen. Jesus said, take care of the plank so you can see more clearly to help with the speck. (laughs) That's pretty strong. In other words, whatever problems they have, your problems are always bigger because they're your problems. And you need to deal with them. It isn't saying, again, Jesus is not saying sweep sin under the rug. Don't don't worry about it. He's saying take care of things at home too or first before you start throwing rocks at the TV. Amen. If you're like me, you tend to judge others by their actions and yourself by your intentions. So, I, like I, oh, they did. That's stupid. They're doing wrong, and then, and then I get called out. I was like, well, I didn't intend to do that. I didn't mean for that to happen. Isn't that something? How we lessen it? There, uh, there, there's been a lot of talk about the 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 recent. Uh, judge that's up for, she's, um, somebody help me, Supreme Court, and they were making this statement, and I don't have any idea either way, but they made the statement, she's soft on crime, and I thought to myself, yeah, I'm soft on my crime, I'm hard on their crime, I'm soft on my crime, come on now, so we need to, we need to take care of business at home. Judge yourself before you start judging other people. Amen? And then the final thing that I want to share here is, let's be gracious like Jesus is gracious. Let's offer grace. Everybody in this room wants grace. Katie, could you come? Everybody in this room wants grace, right? Come on, do you want grace? Hey, did you know you need grace? Nobody gets to heaven without grace. Nobody. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift from God. You don't get to heaven because you're good enough. You get to heaven because Jesus was good enough. And when you believe in him, and all you do is trust in him, God says, oh, you love my son, you accept what he did on the cross for you, you're mine now. How does a person get to heaven? You, you talk to people all the time at funerals. I do this all the time. I hear this conversation. And they'll talk about, well, I know they're in a better place. And inevitably, what comes in there? Here's how they're in a better place. They're a good person. They just do good things. I know, listen Grace is not about your goodness. It's about his goodness. Grace is unmerited 
favor, undeserved kindness of God bestowed on us. Amen? And Jesus offered grace to that poor woman who was caught red-handed in her sin. He showed her dignity. They came and they threw her at Jesus' feet. And they said, look at this adulterous woman caught in the very act. But later in the story, when Jesus said what he said and they all walked away, the Bible says that Jesus, standing up, saw the woman only. He didn't see her as an adulterous woman. He just saw the woman. Man. He wasn't there to berate her for her performance. He saw her as a person. And he forgave her. Forgave her of her sin. That's grace. He just forgave it. I love that. Jesus is walking around. He's just, give, he just given forgiveness everywhere. Right and left. They drop guys down in the room to have Jesus heal him. And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. Whoops, I missed it. I'm supposed to heal you. No. He's just forgiving. Why? Because he's a forgiving God. We excuse our sin. We try to diminish our sin. We try to act like we don't have sin. But Jesus forgives sin. He's a forgiver. And you know what else he did? He lifted the condemnation that was weighing on her. She had been exposed, ridiculed in front of everybody. You know what Jesus said? Where are your accusers? Has anybody accused you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. He lifted that spirit of condemnation right off of her. Isn't that beautiful? And then he said to her, listen, now this is the truth part. Look how we went through grace to get to this final little statement that says, go Sin no more. Jesus called it sin. He wasn't sweeping it under the rug. He was just saying, I'm not stuck on your past. I'm looking at your purpose. People that we ridicule, people that we slander, people that we want to throw rocks at, have a destiny. There were two kinds of people that day that Jesus stooped down for, for that woman and for those Pharisees. She was caught in the sin of adultery. They were caught in the sin of self-righteousness. And Jesus was cutting between the two. It's time to drop the stones. It's time to drop... Whatever stones that you're picking up, whatever relationship you're in, I would imagine that there's somebody in our life somewhere in our paths that maybe we're picking up a rock. We got a point to make, we got a point we got to drive home, we got something we got to deal with, and I'm, you know, and God, you know, what are you going to do about this, God? And the Lord wants you and me, hang on. I'll do it down. To drop it. Just let it go.
You're not going to change it that way. But He can change it. When you let go. Can we stand? Can the prayer team come? We have a prayer team, I think. Maybe we don't have a prayer team. Yeah, oh, there we go. Randy and Tish Fortier. God bless you. Gary and Laura. Amen. If you need prayer for anything today, for anything that we talked about, sang about, or just came across your spirit, or you just want to give your life to Jesus, afresh and anew, we invite you to come and let these good folks pray with you. Let me pray. You'll be dismissed, but if you need prayer for anything, please come this way. Father, thank you for your word of truth. And I pray, God, that we will not walk away from this today and forget what we look like, what you see us to be, what you've designed us to be. I pray, Jesus, that we will be changed by the life-giving power of your word. In your name we pray. And I do pray a special blessing over everyone, Lord, that you would bless them and keep them and you would make your face to shine upon them and to be gracious to them and to give them peace everywhere they go. In Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. 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 Come for prayer if you need it. God bless.